Hey guys, welcome back to Square Zeros. I am John Mann. And I'm Stephen Selman. And I'm Derek Hawkins. And uh, today we've got uh, a unique episode. Um, it was high time we did this. Uh, John and I are going to be talking about our early experiences writing and recording and playing music in high school. This is something we owe to all the people that have come on the show so far. We're about midway through our first season. We really wanted to do this. So... I'm in the hot seat. John's going to be in the hot seat. Steven is a really good pal of ours. You might remember him from the inaugural episode of Square Zeros. He's a multi-instrumentalist, and uh, we've got him on because he's our friend and confidant, and he's going to be keeping us honest while we ask each other about our early experiences in music. I'm sort of surprised this wasn't somehow written into his contract, like, like him being <laughs> the, sort, of the, sort of the, sort of the first victim of of our of our sort of webcast here. That he wasn't <laughs> like you know someday I have to get you you jerks back for this. I mean, if you um, remember, and and I don't know you know how closely everybody's listened to that, but that's got a lot of listens. You know, I, we were a little rough on Stephen uh, oh, in that man. episode. You know, we cracked wise a little bit because he can take it. He was a brave soul. It was our first. It was our pilot. We were trying to get this off the ground, and he he volunteered some really funny music, and he even did an in-studio performance of one of his old songs at my request. So, I mean, here we are, like, four, what, eight weeks later, and um, I'm... Uh, the chickens are coming home to roost. <laughs> are they ever? Uh, no, you all were pretty kind to me. I, I think I got off fairly fairly easy uh you may not be so lucky today fire away man here i am you're you're in the chair (laughs) you're in the chair so mr hawkins you had a band and uh you in the interest of full disclosure i i i was a uh i was quite a fan of this band in high school and this is you helped us out a lot man this is the band this is the band that um introduced me to punk rock uh it was a world that I did not understand at all mm. at the time. So, Derek, tell us a little bit about your your primary musical endeavor <laughs> at West Potomac High School. Oh, man. So I guess it was sometime I was 15 or so, and uh, a longtime buddy of mine, Daryl McDaniel, um, and I decided it was just time. It was time to start a band. We'd been playing guitar together. We grew up together. We listened to the same music. We got guitars around the same time. And, uh, you know, we'd written some songs and it just was natural. It was time to start a punk rock band. So we did. Uh, and um, we rallied a couple friends of ours and it just, it, we went from there. I'm, also, <laughs> I'm like, I'm, I'm surprised at how self-conscious I am actually. I'm this yeah. full, this is, this is, uh, I, I didn't expect to be uh, this guarded, but I already feel it. <laughs> also, also, let's back up for a second. I've heard about this band before, too. His name's Daryl McDaniel. Was this Run DMC? Daryl McDaniel. He, gets it, he gets it all the time. He gets it all the time. Don't push his buttons. <laughs> or he got it all the time. I don't Derek, know if he still gets it. A little, little, little hidden secret we've been we've been keeping from you the whole time is that Derek is actually Rev Run, <laughs> um, and I am actually Jam Master J. Uh, I, did not, I did not die. I, yeah. I'm still here. No, it started as me and Daryl, and we wanted to, we, you know, we had, I don't know, we had some idea of being something, some, something between, like, the Ramones and Operation Ivy and uh, something else. And we were originally called uh, The Absolutes when it was just me and him, and we made some bedroom recordings. And then we were called The Apparatus. And then when our fellow members joined, we named them ourselves after a good written song mm-hmm. called Steps. 
and the band's name was One Step Forward, yeah. which was super posy because we were all from DC and everything had to be <laughs> earnest and we were straight edge and uh, <laughs> and everything mattered. That oh. that was one step forward. Everything matters. Such an earnest, innocent, <laughs> bright-eyed band. Um, we were that stole my fucking drummer. <laughs> uh, um, Meehan was the best drummer around. He still Meehan, is. Meehan was yeah. Meehan still is the best. It drummer. Still rips. I mean, like we would play shows with bands that were way better, or way more established than us. I remember we played with Hope Conspiracy once, and I remember the drummer of Hope Conspiracy just being in awe of 16-year-old Matt Meehan's chops. Guy was a monster. Same thing when we played with the Flatliners, and it was the exact same thing. Like, everybody knew Meehan was the talent. <laughs> Damn right. <laughs> so anyway. <laughs> okay, so, uh, Derek, let's uh, let's not waste any time. You got a song for us? I do have a song for us. Um, this was from... So we recorded an EP... Uh, you know, as punk bands do, it was called do it for the kids. Um, man, I guess I was 15 or 16 and, uh, we recorded six songs on my Tascam four track in Meehan's basement. Um, we kind of made a triangle out of the two guitar amps and the bass amp and hung a mic in that. And then we took the other mic and hung it above the drums. And then Daryl and I dubbed the vocals later. This is, uh, I'm the first vocal, Daryl's the second vocal. And there's this call and response throughout the whole song. Uh, of and course I, there is. This this song is a song is called Osterail, which was the screen name of a dear friend of ours and a girl that our bassist Hector Silva had a. It was more than a crush. They had a bond, and uh, this was more than just some teenage love song. You know, uh, it was it, this was Hector's ode to a very dear friend of ours. Hmm. Um, Hector is a publicist here in Brooklyn. He's uh, still making music. He rips. Um, the subject of this song lives in Pittsburgh, I think, right now. And she's a great person. I haven't spoken to her in a while, but she's really cool. Song's called Osterail. And I chose this one as the first one because it's from our first recording. And it was the first song that we all wrote together. Uh, Hector had brought in this general idea and some lyrics for the song. Daryl and I constructed... Uh, the chord progression, I wrote a riff, and then Meehan came in and brought his magic and made it actually sound like a good song.
that's Osterail. 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 By, uh, by One Step Forward. Wow. Very earnest. Earnest is an excellent word yeah. for that. It's funny, too, man. Like, you you still play guitar like that. You still, <laughs> like, you can totally crank that riff out right you know, now. I, I, can, I can see a twitchy little 16-year-old Derek Hawkins. That was, that was stolen. Like, that. my two main guitar influences at that point were, well, I mean, especially on that song, were Dan Yeeman from lifetime i mean that's that that riff is basically a direct rip off of rodeo clown by lifetime oh, yeah. uh right. and uh and of course johnny ramone because you know it's almost all downstrokes there and i still do that like and then of course i love tim armstrong um but that doesn't quite come through as much in that song um <laughs> yeah <laughs> that was one of our more tender songs for sure yeah derek so uh will, will my sunlight reach your side of earth Will my sunlight reach your side? Would my would my star nights shine above your earth? Oh. Star night, and that's the second part. Will my, would my sunlight reach your side of earth? Would my star nights shine above your earth? And you know what I remembered? I recalled when I when we were listening to it. There was uh, that song was actually about Osterail, the girl Osterail, leaving for college. One more summer we have left to make up for lost times. Tragic. Yes, because she was so a couple sad. years older, yeah. Or maybe one year older. I don't know. I think we all had one of those. Call me. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. So okay, so that's so that's step one in the uh in the sort of one step that's that's the first the first step forward, so to speak. Um where did you guys go from there? I mean you, you said the first recordings were DIYs is, is all possible. As, yeah, as they should be, yeah. Doing it yourself, you know, two mics. It's amazing how I was saying. It's amazing how the bass comes through on that song, considering it was just at mm-hmm. the middle, the center of a triangle of three amps. And I think at that point, I can't remember whether Hector was playing out of this like little like I don't know Gorilla bass amp, sixty watt or something like yeah. that that he got, or if that was actually that might have been through a guitar amp. Wow. Okay. Yeah. But then especially so. Um, where did you guys go from there? I mean, I clearly, you know, you you told me you've told me that you were in the band for uh, you know a number of years. Yeah, um, almost all in high school. Okay, that way, I mean, that was it. You know, that we were we were dead serious about that thing, right? And we had a blast doing it. Um, from there, that was the first one. So we pressed, I think, seventy five or a hundred of uh, those EPs. Um, you know, it was just printed out on eight by ten paper, cut up. We had a CD burning party. We packed them in little like uh you know little whatever they call it polyvinyl bags or something like that uh i think we got them at some i can't remember where we got the damn things but we just wrapped them up and gave them away at school i remember put taking a big uh ziploc freezer bag and having all the eps in there and just i think we just gave them out um Mm -hmm. that was like uh you know a couple weeks before our first show so from there you know we uh we played some shows, like we wrote some more songs. We got a tiny bit more sophisticated. We recorded, uh, well, we played in a battle of the bands, uh, the same battle of the bands that one of our former guests on Square Zeroes, uh, Ryan McLaughlin, played in from Type Fighter. The uh, the Nation at this, the Nation. This was Nation battle of the bands. Yeah, we won. We sold enough tickets to win free studio time at Q Studios. Uh, it's like a hundred tickets, right? Yes, we sold 100 tickets. Yeah. Of course, like everybody's moms bought 10. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> we, we sold like, we probably legitimately sold like 30 or so. But we played Nation and then we recorded at Q Studios with uh, Keith Morris, I think his name was. We called him Keith Smokes Merits because he like had a pack of merits in his breast pocket. Keith Morris from, from Black Flag? 
I think his name was Keith. No, no, Keith. Yeah, Keith Morris. I think his name. I think that was the punchline. It was like, oh, his name's actually Keith Morris, like Keith Morris from Black Flag Circle Jerks, and off. Yeah, um, yeah we recorded. Uh, we recorded a full length called Victory, Vitality, and Vengeance. Uh, yeah, mm. yeah. It's, Put that in your fucking straight edge uh, peace pipe and smoke it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I mean, I guess that's a good segue into this next cut because it's from that record. Mm. Um, this song is the title track off of Victory, Vitality, and Vengeance. This was the song that like defined One Step Forward. We would always play this first or last at every one of our shows. It's called Victory. It's my like, just like over the top, like earnest reaching for some sort of like unity in our little like weird teenage suburban DC scene. Like I really, really thought I was like, I could be the next like Ian Mackay and like bring everybody together with this song. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> Let's have it. victory wasn't it wasn't it ever um so you you mentioned kind of picturing yourself as the next great suburban unifier uh does that is that that's definitely one i had no rock and roll ambitions all i wanted were for like people to unite around the music man I'll, I'll take because when you're a kid there's just like there's so much fighting like there's so much bullshit like you just want everybody to like i don't know 
you you want everybody to kind of think like you. You're you're righteous when you're young. You know, mm-hmm. you want everybody. You you want like kind of unity of thought and unity of spirit or whatever. Unity like of 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 goals or something like that. And I I looked around when I was a kid very righteously, and just saw like people doing frivolous shit, not caring about real stuff. Mm-hmm. So you know, regular old like holding Caulfield. I thought I was the only one, of course. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Doesn't These... everybody? All these kids with their beer and their <laughs> right. and their gossip. Yep. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I I'll take the opportunity to uh, remember for a moment how well attended almost every single one step forward show was. Like I'll talk you up here for a second. This will probably be the nicest I uh, <laughs> attempt to be. Um, from the very first show, so the so the very first one step forward show was at this guy Elias's house, and it was supposed to be in his backyard, but it started to rain. So like in a scramble, we stuffed everything into this carport, and there were people spilling all out from under the carport. It was awesome. And there was a mulch pile that kids were like, we're like jumping, quote into. unquote, stage diving off of. <laughs> <laughs> it was just, uh, it, it was, it was such a good show. And, uh, and that started a very, very excellent track record of show attendance from, from day one. The cops came at that. The cops broke up. Well, they didn't break it up. As we were finishing victory, the cops Mm. showed up. (laughs) Perfect. I mean, that's how you start a band. Uh, That that is the envy of any band in Brooklyn right now. Um, but that that always impressed me. Yeah, it was fun. Although I think that's something we've been finding somewhat talking to bands so far is that like the the attendance for shows for your high school band is like it's way better, <laughs> markedly better than anything you've done since. Like I, most of the bands we've talked to, you know, or or even or your record sales. I mean, the idea that you would be taking them to you had a captive audience at your high school. Yeah, you would take these. You know, they would be the worst production. They would look like shit. There would be some image on the front. I mean, I mean, you showed us the the cover of the Do It for the Kids EP, and it's just yeah. a like, Xerox picture of some kids. Yep, <laughs> you know? just some like, kids like standing there looking awkward. <laughs> right, right. And you said like little poly vinyl bags or whatever. Um, but it was one of these things where you just had this captive audience of depending on how big your school was, several hundred to several thousand. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when we talked to when we did the Tie Fighter interview, we talked to Cocapella, and he was like, when we talked to Thomas, and he was like, Cocapella, he was like, one out of every three kids at our high school had that record. Yeah, one out of every three kids. You know, which means if you're probably you know, the same. Yeah, <laughs> I'm thinking. I'm thinking suburban Northern Virginia, maybe average around twelve hundred to fifteen hundred, something like that. If we were pretty big, yeah, but, yeah. School. <laughs> but you know, like that means they sold five hundred. Yeah, five hundred copies of that CD. That's nuts. Different you know, it's worlds, nuts to think man. about. Yeah. Um, but I mean, you guys also sound. I mean, not to not to diminish your achievement, um, but just to play, <laughs> play devil's advocate to a certain extent. I mean, you guys sound real polished, and I would have been at your shows. You know, if, if, if there, you know, you know that I was I was at whatever your counterpart was in Richmond. I was I was at their shows. Yeah. Um, but uh, no, I mean, I think this stuff sounds great. So you you went from um, do it for the kids. Victory, Vitality, and Vengeance? That is correct, which is really just an aping of the Good Riddance song, Heresy, Hypocrisy, and Revenge. (laughs) (laughs) You know, when we start, if if there was any evolution, it went from, like, wanting to basically be like the Ramones and Operation Ivy to wanting to be Good Riddance. Interesting. We wanted to be Good Riddance. Interesting. There wasn't really any aims beyond that, to be honest. Broad jump. Good Riddance and Minor Threat were all I really cared about. There you go. All right. (laughs) Lifetime. Maybe a little rancid. Maybe a little rancid at the beginning. So was there anything else? I mean, you talk about this as your high school band, and as I understand it, it was something that just sort of 
drifted apart or sort of dissolved yeah. as you all went to went to college was there anything we cut else some, we made some shirts we made some like stickers or something we played a bunch of shows like we played with some all right bands uh we played with some horrible bands and but we had a really good time we cut another ep we cut another full length and then we went to college and i think when we came back from college we played one show at a barbecue or something it was a kegger like we were all like not straight edge anymore <laughs> but still playing these songs that were very much fueled by the rage of like all your friends around you doing this frivolous shit like drinking and just wanting to like make music let me let me ask you one more <laughs> and question. skate yeah let me ask you one more question because it's interesting it'll be interesting to ask you this because we play in a band together mm -hmm. um so this has a certain diplomacy to it, to a that it does not have when i ask other people okay but how do you, because we've asked other people this, how do you think One Step Forward fits into the trajectory that ends or, you know, has has its continuance now in Sunset Guns? If you're playing in Sunset Guns now, to, do you see links between the two? Do you see High discontinuity energy, between like, the two? I mean, I certainly don't see much discontinuity, you know? I grew up and I don't know, started wanting to do different things. I mean, part of, you know, to, to be honest, like uh, in high school, like I had high school, but I also had like every day to make music. You know, college happened, like mid 20s careerism happened. And like, I didn't get to focus on music as much as I have in the past year, year and a half. So like, it's a constant evolution for me. Um, I think Sunset Guns is the first manifestation of uh, me focusing on music as much as I did when I was 17. I want to rip on one step forward so bad. I mean, it's, 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 <laughs> it's, uh, it's like embarrassingly earnest to a certain, to, to, to listen <laughs> to some of this stuff now. Oh yeah. But the fact of the matter is those were some fun songs to shout along to. So, so cheers, Derek. Thanks, man. Um, I, in a way, I don't know what I would have done. You know, I really wish when we talked to, you know, uh, some of the guests we have on the show that we could have fans chime in like that because I'm sure everybody that we've had on, you know, and of course, like the people that I immediately identify with are guys like Steve Perry, you know, uh, Thomas from Type Fighter, like guys who had like built scenes around like their high school units, you know, Ryan from Type Fighter, I'm sure that uh you know alien brophy had it to the same degree and like her early college band and a lot of other folks like i wonder i always want to know what their fans would have said because i i bet you as like part of the elite that actually made music in high school i bet you they have people that would say the same thing about them i'll i'm sure they would and uh yeah one step forward i think going to those shows and having having something so consistently positive and energetic, I think that meant a lot to, to people. It definitely meant a lot to me. I'm, I'm sure, uh, I'm sure the band was, was an important experience for you guys too. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what I would have done with that. I don't know what any of us would have done without it. I, I can say for my part that I, I probably would have done something really self-destructive if I didn't have music, if I didn't have the band as a release as a place where i felt like i had you know control and not just creatively but like emotionally yeah see i didn't have a high school band and so i did very self-destructive things like uh following all the rules and getting good grades and stuff yeah, like that it has really man. it has really ruined 
my credibility for the future <laughs> and playing rock and roll because I have absolutely no misspent youth to sing about. Well, and okay, it really, yeah, that's, ha- it really, that's a it, good. It seriously hampers me. I got to make stuff up. I'm making stuff up yeah, all the time. Yeah, bury your soul for a second, John. And I had to drink What a happened? Lot. Here you are. Here you are. You have this little show, all right? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and you're grilling people about their high school bands and their college bands and their first experiments in music. But you got you, you didn't I'm quite fill- have that. I'm filling a void. Yeah. I'm filling a void in my life, you know? Guys, John... If the ultimate irony of Square Zeros is mm. that John did not have a high school band. When I don't even know if I have my timeline right. Your first what was the first time you recorded? What was the first time you actually counted yourself as a member of a band? My first serious experience considering myself a member of the band was was with Paperfly was when I moved to New York. So I was 5 6 was, years ago? I was 7. I was 24. Seven, 24 when I moved yeah. here. Don't um, age yourself. Yeah, yeah, you know. Um, I mean, in college, there was a moment where I played with some, you know, some buddies of mine. They, they you know, their bassist uh, graduated, left college. They were at my place one time. We were all drinking some beers. They said, you know, we need to find a bass. We're auditioning bassists, and I sort of just suggested, I was like, hey, you know, guys, if you're if you're trying to ask me, and they were not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, if you're, <laughs> I misread it. it. Was like, if you're trying to ask me, I'll come try out. And they were like, we hadn't thought about that, but you should. And then they auditioned like five guys that day. I was the sixth. The drummer, who's the one guy who didn't know me, was blown away by my ability to sort of par- parrot back the lines they had just played for me. Um, I mean, you play with me, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, if I have an asset, it's not my talent or my <laughs> or, or, or my or my looks or anything like that. It's my ability to remember stuff. <laughs> it's, it's my memory and, and the ability that, you know, you play some little riff three practices ago and then I go, what was that thing again? It was something like this and play it back to you. Um, so that he was blown away by that and by the end of it. Wait, was, wait, wait. Talk about the ad. Talk about what got you into the tryouts. Oh, okay. With, pa- with Paper that's a good story. You mean with, with Paper pa- Fleet. Well, yeah, with Paper yeah, Fleet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With Paper Fleet. So anyway, to just cap it off, I played with those college guys for a while, but it wasn't my band. Yeah. It wasn't my yeah, band. Yeah. And Paper Fleet, I do, you know, is, uh, you know, it's just, it's, Jim's band, it's Josh's band, but I also feel like I have some ownership over it. Um, Paperfleet, yeah, I moved to New York, and I remember thinking, if I'm moving to New York, I should be able to play whatever I want to play. You know, millions of people here. Somebody else is going to share what I want to do. Um, and I tried to get that together for a little while and then found out that nobody did want to do what I wanted to do. It just was not cool at the time. Um, you mean no one wanted to be in a Striper cover band? Nobody wanted to be in a Striper cover band. Nobody wanted to whip uh, sticker covered Bibles at people in the, in the, <laughs> in the audience. Um, so I got on Craigslist and I was looking for somebody who might be interested. And I found an ad that said all lowercase adequate guitarist wanted adequate guitarist, adequate wanted. guitarist. <laughs> I <love it>. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I was like, click <laughs> just to be like, that's, this has to be my, these have to be my guys. And I got on there and I listened. It's actually a funny story too. I got on their MySpace for, for paper fleet. Um, and I was like, I'll check out the songs and see if I like it. And I checked it out. And the song that I fell for was a cover they did of cease to exist, which is a Charles Manson song that the, that the beach boys famously covered. Um, and they did this sort of hybridized part Manson, part Beach Boys, all like Lemonheads style, you know, kind of kind of songwriting uh, cover of it. And I can remember sitting on my bed listening to it and being like, Meredith, what do you think of this band? And we're just jigging 
like just dancing <laughs> on the band listening to this catchy little jangle pop song that these guys had done i didn't realize at the time that it was a cover even um but i just fell for it and then you know i got in touch with the guys and i sent them this email that said you guys are gonna you'll never believe how adequate i am i am so <laughs> i am mind-blowingly adequate you guys are gonna shit when you hear exactly how adequate a guitarist I am, <laughs> and they and they, we had this very business like business like meeting at a bar uh, where we I got there and I was like, hey guys, I'm John. They're like, hey, we're Jim, we're Josh. We really liked your email, dude. Yes, <laughs> that was that was the beginning of that story. So I mean, I, you know, Josh and Jim, you made the right choice. <laughs> I, I maybe. <laughs> Maybe the band's better. You made the right choice. <laughs> I made the per- I <laughs> definitely Josh made the correct choice. Yeah, I met some excellent dudes. Um, I hope I did not tank their band for the last six or seven years. But, <laughs> you know, time will tell. Well, I mean, I think we'll know by the end of this interview. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> although we're not going to be listening to Paper Fleet. Again, are we? I mean, do you want to hear... I mean, you don't want to hear early Paper Fleet recordings. I mean, that's... I kind of do, but... Well, the we, thing is, we early, really early, gotta, early, early Paper Fleet's still... You know, it's still Paper Fleet. Yeah, and they and they existed for several years before me. So early Paper Fleet is not John Mann era yeah. Paper Fleet. What are we gonna do about that, man? What are we gonna do? Um, I mean, we can still talk about high school. We can talk about what I was playing in high school because I What'd started play playing when I was when I was fourteen. Um, okay, so I guess I, I guess before we before we move too far because we've kind of covered this this moment of me being in Paper Fleet, I should pump the brakes and go back and talk about if we're talking about origin stories, if we're talking about early on. Um, it's only fair. Yeah, yeah. My 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 high school playing music story is is fairly. Again, it's it's really boring. I was a boring. I was a boring, kind of, you know, bright kid who got all his homework done at school and had nothing to do when I came home. And I had this what I now am extremely pleased with this kind of idea when I was fourteen that I was like, you know, I could get really good at something. Like I got like six hours a day, and I'm just doing nothing. You know, like I wasn't doing drugs or anything that's i guess that's what people do <laughs> if they're a teenager and they have access to that stuff but you know i was like this good kid who wasn't doing stuff um and i had this idea i was like well i'm kind of getting into music i like i like what's on the radio and stuff and i was like maybe i should grab a guitar and my parents were blown away because they were like nobody in our family plays music where's this kid getting this this is totally weird and they were like reluctant to buy me one because they were like we don't want you to just like give up on it and i was like well, when have i given up on shit like come on be cool um so i got I talked them into buying me this guitar and then it was just playing you know richmond rock radio of the late 90s you know so i'm listening to like post grunge stuff i've told derek before and he, he lost it of course he, you know uh the, the first song that i remember learning to play on guitar was the acoustic version of Alice in Chains, Heaven Beside You from their Unplugged yeah. album. Really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that little... That little, like, droning note, just like... I mean, you know, I still love droning notes. I still love that shit. Um, but, like, it was weird sounding. I didn't know how the guitarist did that because I didn't understand music. Um, so, I mean, it was that kind of stuff that I really cut my teeth on earliest, you know? Yeah, here's my question, um, because you, you seem like a very deliberate guy. Like, I've played music with you a few times, like, gotten to, you know, like, see you in the studio, and, and uh, you mentioned your strength being your memory. And what what do you remember about first learning to play the guitar? Like, <laughs> like, like what do you remember about, because I, I, I actually, somebody asked me this recently, and I have very little memory 
of learning to play the guitar. Hmm. Like I have like almost like a black hole in my mind. Like it's weird, but there was this, there was this period where I, I can remember struggling to do a couple of things, but I don't know. Like what you, you seem like someone who might actually have it cataloged very well. This is just a guess. Yeah, no, I can, I actually remember a, a good deal of it. I, so what I always kind of, when people ask what I tend to tell them is that I played for like the first six months, there was this huge acclimation because again, like I said, bored kid I would play five or six hours a day um you know I didn't really have anything else going on I didn't have anything pre- you know high school I mean high school if you're you know if you if you've got your head on straight then you you have a lot of time on your hands it's not that hard um high school was not a, a difficult experience for me I remember all these kids being like I can't wait to get to college and I was like this is great like, if you guys don't appreciate this like I feel like I do nothing I hang out this is great like yes college will be better but there's, it's a finite amount of time. And so is this, let's not rush shit. You know, <laughs> like I'm happy to be in high school until it ends. Um, but I, you know, I just played a whole lot. I mean, I remember at what point did you, did it sounds like guitar sort of started as a, a hobby, mm-hmm. like something to do. At what point did it cease to become, or was there a point or a phase in which it ceased to be a hobby and became expression? That's, I mean, that's, that's an excellent question. I definitely think there are milestones to an extent. And that's, that's what I remember. You're asking about like what I remember of it. I remember thinking when I played these songs at first, I'll, I, I, I'll give you an example of how clueless I was about music. I would look up when I was on the internet and I wanted to find songs. I'd be like, I had an acoustic guitar and I would search for acoustic guitar tabs. And it didn't occur to me that you would just look up guitar tabs, even if the song was played electric, and then just play it on an acoustic guitar. So I would wonder why I couldn't find all of these songs that I loved <laughs> because they hadn't been because they weren't acoustic songs. And I was like, oh, I didn't, you know, like sh- shit like that just blew, I just blew right past me. Or I remember I, I took lessons for three or four months from this really great ponytailed hippie jazz guy who was super sweet about teaching me the shit I actually wanted to play because I was also I was into like ska and like metal and punk and sort of funk like I was into all of these different things that like I feel like I have a very sort of specific rhythm that I play in now that's influenced by all of these things um but you know I mean he was a jazz guy and he wanted to teach me Thelonious Monk and stuff and I was like yeah I'll learn that but can you explain to me how I do this ska chord voicing and stuff like that? And he knew what he was doing and he taught it to me. Um, but I remember different levels where it's like, this is the first time I wrote something that was mine. This is the first time that I figured out, I remember going to him and saying like, I really like this song, you know, white room by cream, but, and I've got the chord progression in front of me, but I don't understand why when I strum these chords, strum, 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 it doesn't sound like the song, and he played it for me, and I was like, that's that song, how are those the chords that I'm playing? You know, like, I didn't understand, mm-hmm. like, these very simple things, like, how the progression, you can look at it, and it's just a guide, and it's not like each of those chords is played the same way for the same length of time and things like that. So there are all these little steps I remember in my mind where I'm like, oh, I discovered this, oh, I discovered that. Oh, I wrote something for the first time. Oh, I got to a point where 
I stopped trying to learn other people's music for a while and started to just try and write my own and things like that. And I mean, that happened within high school. I just couldn't find people, you know, I, like I said, one thing that I was really into was I had a bunch of friends who were in this awesome ska band, <laughs> again, the kind of band that everybody would speak very kindly about now, but you go back and listen to their recordings and their, their first recordings are terrible. They, they would say the same thing and they're still in this band and they're great now. Um, but, uh, it's Murphy's Kids? Yeah, yeah. Murphy's like Kids. 15 years later, yes. Murphy's Kids is <laughs> sick. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the early stuff, it's like, you know, John hasn't exactly found his voice, or he's a little sloppier on guitar, like the drums are a little, like, careening, things like that. I mean, it's still winning stuff to listen to, but it, it's very simple. Um, but I was into that kind of thing, and, you know, what's the hardest possible band to put together when you're 15 is, like, oh, getting Jesus. eight dudes yeah. or whatever it takes to make a ska band, you Again, know? like that sounds like, yeah, it's... I wouldn't do it today. Right. Uh, yeah. It sounds crazy. It sounds like it's 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 impossible. I don't I mean those guys have done it worked their ass for fifteen off, years man. and it's been tough. Yeah. Um so I mean it was one of those things where I think being unwilling to compromise on that and not knowing too many people who played music who were not in that band or some band, um, it just didn't occur to me as really being an option. Um so I did so. <laughs> not. Do, so I did. So I did not, uh, and I and I performed extremely rarely. Well, you know. So I guess the bottom line here is, you don't have any embarrassing or revealing or primitive early recordings. Not recordings, no. To give to our audience. I mean, I have stories. You I have, have embarrassing stories. stories. But we need music, man. <laughs> when I got the music, I got a place to go. That's true, Damn, dude. <laughs> Now that's the slow, that should what, be the slogan of Square What Zero, are we man. gonna What are we gonna give these people? All right, so I was thinking about this, and I was thinking about this, and it was conditioned by by a film that I watched last night. So <laughs> I was thinking about Heaven Beside You. Frankly, I was thinking about Am I going to do an in studio and try and remember? I can play that riff for you right now, but I don't know the words to Heaven Beside You. It's not a song that stayed with me. It's not a song that I loved for some length of time. I just thought it was a cool riff that I wanted to learn. Um, so last night I had the pleasure, the singular pleasure of watching basketball, <laughs> you know, the, uh, the movie, remember the creators of South Park, yeah. where they create this game between baseball and basketball. And if you recall, as I know you all recall, because you've all watched basketball a thousand times, um, <laughs> because you're discerning listeners, uh, real big fish is the house band of the, of the stadium that they have of the Milwaukee beers. I believe is the name of their team. Um, and on that soundtrack, uh, they had, they had the song beer, the, the song beer was on there. It was off of, uh, I guess the everything sucks EP. And then it was put on to, wait, uh, real big fish has an EP called everything sucks. Yeah. Yeah. Like the, the descendants. The, yeah. Well, well, the, well, yeah. And the, and the picture, uh, well, yeah, yeah. The picture oh, on the front whatever. is like, it's like some little girl who like a dog is biting her tongue or something like that. It's this amazing <laughs> picture. This dog is sticking its head in this girl's mouth. But, um, and then it was put on to the big EP, the, the big album they had with a uh, sellout, and she has a girlfriend now, uh, Turn Off the Radio. Um, but so, so this song is actually the first song I ever performed in front of a crowd. And hearing it last night, I was reminded of this. I was at Boys State, which for those who may know, I don't know if it's across the entire country, but it's the American Legion puts on this essentially like modern model government type program for, there's also Girls State, but over the summer. Um, and basically you go away and it's like you camp in these, you, we did it at Liberty university. So it was in Jerry Falwell. It, yeah. in Lynchburg, we went out to Lynchburg and that should also give you an idea of the sort of morality that goes into something like the American yeah. Legion hosting a summer camp. Um, 
there was a talent show at the end and I met these guys there. I had my guitar with me and I met these guys who played in a ska band together in Northern Virginia called Mia Copa. Um, and they were like, they were like, we should play a ska song. And I was like, I know beer. And they were like, let's play that song. That's awesome. We've covered that before. It's perfect. We can do it. The other guitarist was like, I can play the solo. I was like, I can play the chorus. This guy was like, I can sing it. Um, so my first time ever playing was playing a ska cover of Real Big Fish in front of like 800 people. Okay. <laughs> you know, like like basically like the you know like the upper in the upper crust of like like test scores or whatever they whatever they analyze to send you to boys state yeah. like the leadership of Ooh. like of like seniors <laughs> i'm sure uh, they all still the carry it with them to this day oh i guarantee they do but what was so funny to me was i was like we're singing this grossly inappropriate song about drinking and we're all like 18 at this like at liberty university you know, like a Christian school. Hey, like at least we were cool enough to sing about beer at 18. Thing. I would have been like, that guy's an asshole. And, the, <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't drink, you know, I, was, I, I, I didn't drink it. You know, I didn't drink at that point. Yeah. So it was, it was kind of preposterous too. But the, these old dudes, these old legionnaires ate it up and they yeah. loved it. And they thought, I mean, and I went with listening to it last night and thinking about it. I was like, you know, it's a great, it's a great little pop song, a great little drinking song. It's not that bad. It's not, I mean, it's a little over the top as all of their songs are. But, you know, I mean, I mean, the song's well enough written. It's a catchy little, it's essentially a punk song, you know, a little ska punk song. Yeah. Um, well, and so, so I was thinking <laughs> what I could do, if you are interested, is I could try and recreate that performance. I mean, I don't I'm I, ready. I remember that song. The question is, are you, you did it for 800 of the goody goodiest kids in Virginia, Richmond, wherever the fuck. Are you ready to do it for the entire internet? I am. I think I am. Okay. I think I am. I think I, I think I remember the words. I know I remember those solos. I haven't probably played it. God. <laughs> it's been years. It's been years, but it's the kind of thing that, I mean, I loved that shit so much when I was a kid. It, it probably has not left me. All right. You got one shot. All right. Make it count. All right. So I'm going to, I'm going to, okay, guys. So everybody, Square Zeroes exclusive. I'm going to plug in, I guess, some sort of mic. And I am going to play Beer by Real Big Fish for you yes. guys. You're a brave soul. I'm going to take you back over a decade <laughs> right. to my first performance. John Mann, everybody. Here goes. Yes, she 
next time I think of what to say Maybe next time I'll remember what you do She looks like heaven Maybe this is hell Said she'd do it all again She promised not to tell If I get drunk, well, I'll pass out on the floor now, baby And you won't bother me no more If it can get then I know that you're my friend And I say, I think I'll have myself a beer I think I'll have myself a Ha, ha, ha.